Hi, I'm Samuel. And I'm Bentley. And this is the Re-View Podcast. Podcast. All right, uh, because it's out in the theaters now, we're going to talk about why Prometheus belongs in the canon. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> no, no, oh. we're not going to do that. You ever just feel like your kidney, like, shrivel up and prepare for death? <laughs> That's what that was right there. Like, I could feel my internal organs right. being folding in on themselves. So, the problem is, if you pay attention to the canon and uh, what is great art, you know, you can be interested in the new interpretations, but on the other hand, you know, you give people a couple of chances and then you're like, you know what? I don't need to see Alien Covenant because Alien is in the canon and Aliens is in the canon. And actually, you really ought to just watch the all three. Even the third one, I think, should be in the canon. You should watch all three Alien movies as a nice arc. I know a lot of people hate the third one. I want it in the canon as a set. Okay, that's really interesting, because for me, I revere Alien, I worship at the altar of Aliens. Yeah, you do. And I like Alien 3, but I don't think it goes in the canon. Um, okay, we're done here. Okay, he's just going to start beating me now, people. No. I'm sorry, I'll take back what I said about David Fincher's directorial debut, I'm sorry! Alright, go, tell no. me why it's no good. Oh, no, I didn't say it was no good, I just said it wasn't in the canon. Anyway, okay. So we're covering today the Aliens series. We're going to take a holistic approach okay. like we did with Indiana Jones, um, kind of like how we did with Star Wars and Rogue One. All right, so we start at the beginning. We start at the beginning. You start 1979 Alien, directed by Ridley Scott. So I got to confess that, uh, you know, I, we've talked about how we're not really into horror, and I did not see Alien in the theaters. Yeah. I, I thought, you know what, I understood. You too young. I was a little too young. Uh, I was completely into Star Wars and Star Trek, and this was clearly different. I didn't know what to make of it. But I then saw it in college when the second one was coming out, right? We had, this is before we had all this culture on demand, right? The, the personal computers uh, had just changed from green type to black and white type on the screen. So there was no watching movies on your personal computer, which looked like a little cube yeah. uh so to see older movies we had uh student groups on campus on friday and saturday nights would show you a movie that had come out like five years before mm -hmm. yeah my my college did something very similar so that was kind of nice because it gave you a chance to go back look at something that had been out reevaluate it you know hang with your friends and it was you know a few bucks so that's how i saw the first alien as preparation for seeing the second one and it blew me away People, when I describe to people, like, basically growing up with you and growing up with Truman and, and how you expose us to this culture, they kind of don't believe how passionate you can be about some of these things. And I, mm. they don't believe me when I tell them, you deliberately said, you don't get to watch Alien before midnight. <laughs> That's press right. play at 12.01 right. on the clock. Exactly. The same way I think at this point you don't listen to the police... Uh, during daylight hours, and for damn sure you don't listen to Hotel California before 12.01 at night. Yeah, That's ridiculous. No. Probably 2 a.m. To Hotel see California. that, you know, being played in the grocery store at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, it's a ridiculous use of the art. Brief segue, side note, if I hear wrapped around your finger in another Walmart, I'm going to shoot somebody. <laughs> so, Alien, the same thing. I mean, yes, it's a horror film, it's a sci-fi film, it takes place in dark... Grungy space. 
And yes, you really, you're going to get the maximum impact out of that sound at 12.01 a.m. And that's the only reason why I'm not running and screaming at this point, because Samuel made that sound at about 12.40 p.m. in the broad daylight. Yeah, well, Alien, the first one, is just this remarkable feat of filmmaking. You know, it's, 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 almost, like a, it's almost like guerrilla filmmaking. I mean, you read yeah. some of the stories from the behind the scenes and how... John Hurt and the crew were like the only people who knew the exact way the chestburster scene was going down because everyone <laughs> had read the script. Yeah. But they didn't know the timing of it. They didn't know how it was going to go down. They didn't know how it was going to be realized in special effects. Maybe they thought it was going to be done in post. And John Hurt just starts convulsing on set. And people, what you see are their reactions. Yeah. The reason it's so naturalistic and everyone is not immediately like, you know, like, the way, it, the way it doesn't feel like any of this film is acted is because Ridley Scott was doing some pretty dick moves to his actors. <laughs> I mean, he was really messing with them pretty hard. So, I love science fiction, but I, broader than that, love any movie that puts humans in a very confined space to make them uh, have to deal with each other. So, I love 12 Angry Men. Yes. Which is a very straightforward you know, theatrical drama, you know, first put in front of people in the 50s, it's a bunch of white guys, right? You couldn't get a movie that's more tonally different than Alien and 12 Angry Men, except that they are kind of the same movie, in that it's just a bunch of humans crammed into a small space, and what does that do to them? Yeah, it's a bunch of humans in a human ant farm, and then you shake the ant farm, what happens? <laughs> and That's a great way to put it. It's, I, I just... It has such an incredible atmosphere. I yeah. mean, the film bleeds with tone and feeling and those things that you just can't capture unless you know exactly what you want to see. Like, you and I have had a lot of discussions about how we do believe that film is a collaborative environment yep. where, you know, the director does not have all the power. We don't like the idea of the auteur. But here's the thing. Ridley really had to know what that product was going to look like yeah. at the end of that day because he is shooting it in such a way that no frame is wasted. I mean, that reveal when they pull back and you see John Hurt as Kane going down into the chamber where the thousands of alien eggs are and he's just this tiny speck yeah. against what feels like the void itself. Yes. That's not an accident. Yeah. That is a very deliberate and calculated filmmaking technique yeah. that scares the shit out of me this day. <laughs> right, so it's a very human movie in a way that Star Wars was not. Star Wars is a big canvas, uh, but it's clearly a romantic canvas. Uh, it does have comic book elements to it. Uh, Alien is a very adult movie uh, that asks what it would feel like when we really do go out that far. I loved it. I could tell this even when it was released. And you're right, I wasn't old enough to see it. And guess what? I sort of felt that. Somewhere in my sternum, I felt, you know what? I, I can't handle this. Mm -hmm. Because Star Wars got a lot of credit from critics and uh, artist people for bringing dirt into science fiction, right? It took 2001 and, and Flash Gordon and said, well, what if we make that a little more realistic? Let's have it on a dirty sand planet. Let's show the equipment aging and breaking. And so that was nice, but it still played pretty cute. Well, Alien is not cute. It takes that dirt and says, no, no, that, that is the environment. 
Yes, that's everything. That's um, everything. The dirt, the dark, the grime. Guess what? That's what that's how humans live. James Cameron once said that the thesis of the Alien series, the thesis of the first film and what he tried to do with his sequel, is it's about humanity walking into a dark place with a flashlight and what happens when that light goes out. Yeah. And okay. Can we talk about something else now? Yeah. So, well, the last point I want to make about Alien before we move on to Aliens is, you know, there it's held up as this incredible... Not just cinematic work, but feminist work. I mean, it is. I studied that in college as a feminist tract. I mean, I wrote a whole paper on Ellen Ripley as a character through Alien and Aliens and Alien 3 as this supreme, ass-kicking, well-written... It's not a coincidence that when the android Ash freaks out and tries to kill the crew members, he tries to choke Sigourney Weaver with a porn magazine. Hmm. That is a very deliberate choice. Hmm. And those kind of details are what make me go nuts. Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, so what did your professor say? Oh, my professor loved it. got a huge A on that class. I mean, yeah. the Alien series, you could also distill the Alien series down to woman offers truth, man rejects truth. So it was interesting when the second movie came along that uh, I was really clued into that that came out when i was in college and there was a lot of feminist discussion about the ripley character in the second one because we understood that she was a very strong uh, female character from the first movie and on first viewing of the second movie she's still kicking lots of butt but but cameron has her defending a child Mm -hmm. he clearly shows ripley as mother and certainly a lot of feminists in generation x my generation felt like wait a minute that's a step backward right that that she can't just be an independent woman leading a team Mm -hmm. that she has to be defending a child there's something very traditional about that but he earns that like the writing of that movie supports that choice so strongly i mean it it this is a woman who's been in cryo-freeze for 50 years, so she's got the Captain America thing going on. Her <laughs> child has grown old and died without her, you know, from cancer. And she is without any sort of connections or mooring in this universe. And she sees a child who has survived the same thing that she has gone through. And when I see Ripley in that film, I see the same thing that I see in a lot of the anime that I like, uh, specifically Evangelion. Where, basically, is it directed by a guy? Yes, but the guy's thesis of his creative work is what in the world is more powerful than a mother's love for her child? Isn't this great? You thought when you started listening to this podcast that we would just be doing a whole bunch of Bill Paxton quotes. Yeah, well, there's still time for some of that, man. Kissing up on current events, pal. We just got our asses kicked. And here we are talking feminist theory. It's like, great, it's... right? I, I love... So Aliens is the altar upon which I worship because it is the thing that creates almost all the modern like video games that I love. Like It creates an entire way of, of... Like, I will watch just about anything if you can convince me that the characters in whatever piece of media relate to each other the way the colonial marines do. Time to stop your grinning and drop your linen. We're in the pipe five by five, boys. Like it Express elevator to hell going down. Like it's like this is the way the my brother and I communicate. <laughs> like I love 
that it is this weird intergender brotherhood. Because even though there are female colonial marines, they all speak to each other in a very masculine way, and that's established right off the bat. Hey, Vasquez, anybody ever mistaken you for a man? No. You? Like, oh, oh sick burn! Vasquez, you're just too bad, man. Like, it's, it's unbelievable. Again, it's, it's so well-written. James Cameron is a brilliant, brilliant writer. He is making every bit of his budget work. I mean, a lot of these yeah. wide shots you see of the alien hive is him using mirrors really creatively. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't to know make that. this the, that <laughs> stuff seem bigger. He only had room for he only had budget for one cryopod for the colonial marines. So what you see is him layering mirrors on top of each other wow. to make it look like thirteen cryopods. Or I did not realize that. That's yeah, pretty cool, dude. I oh, I love this film. And I love that it plays with your expectations without doing a cheap twist. Like, Bishop is kind of built up to be very creepy. But you also believe it when he altruistically comes back for Ripley. It's not a cheap twist. His character would support either actions. He's ambiguous in a good way. He has proven that he has self-serving instincts. He talks about not being stupid when he's crawling through the duct, which supposedly is inhabited by other aliens. But he also volunteers to crawl through the ducks, you know, mm -hmm. when he's, you know, when they're talking about who's going to restore the radar dish to fly the ship down in. Like, mm -hmm. it, it, he's a brilliantly written character. All those characters are brilliantly written. Uh, I, I watched, uh, there's an HBO series called Generation Kill. That's a bunch of uh, Marines in Iraq hanging out together. And, you know, it's, it's decent. It's not Band of Brothers. It's not uh, the Pacific. But you know what? They talk like the colonial marines, so, you know, I'm there for that. Like, it's... <laughs> and Halo does not exist without aliens. I mean, yeah. the dropships, the space marines, the physical design of the aliens you're fighting, the state of the technology itself, the way that everything looks like Sid Mead designed it. Yeah. Sid Mead's the, one of the lead concept artists in this film, also behind Blade Runner, and some of the original alien stuff. Very industrialized, very cyberpunk. Uh, lots of harsh angles and, and interesting color choices. Um, I love aliens. I love aliens. Yeah, okay, enough about that. No, Let's talk about Aliens 3. Oh, God. All right. So, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We can no, talk no, no, more no, about no. aliens. No, Look, no, you know, I was actually a little miffed at aliens because I thought uh, that dark claustrophobia of the first movie was awesome, you know, and it was just one xenomorph. Yeah. So the fact that Cameron gives us a movie that's, you know, much more of a war picture. It is. It's an action uh, movie. And so you've got to show more of the enemy. I mean, he, he shows dozens and dozens of xenomorphs, and it took some of the mystery away. Well, that's what a lot of hipsters will tell you now, is that they hey, don't like you shut your mouth. aliens. They like Alien because Aliens is, you know, just a cheap action well, movie. I'm trying to out-hipster the hipsters by going for Aliens 3. Yeah, well, the thing is that you can have those rips on, on aliens because it does multiply the threat and it does change the visual design. And like the phallic monster that Giger created is now more kind of like body industrial sort of stuff, like body mm. horror stuff. Mm -hmm. um, they kind of take away the fact that the alien kind of, you know, its head looks like a penis. Now it looks more, it looks more <laughs> like it's, it's almost mechanical mm. um, with all the like pipes and wirings and stuff coming out of it. Mm. Um, but... For me, I just see them as two sides of the same coin. Are they diametrically opposed? Yeah, one's on one side, one's the other. One's a horror film, one's an action film. But the thing is that 
I do think they can coexist. I mean, unlike Ridley Scott, I don't think that Aliens has anything other than reverence for Alien. Hmm. Because you'll notice they never go back and diminish the threat that Sigourney had. It's a different circumstance now. Hmm. I think it, it goes to what Christopher Nolan likes to talk about in his films, uh, not just Batman, but even outside of that, escalation. Mm -hmm. The idea is, look, you can't replicate that circumstance without being repetitive. There are a bunch of miners and space truckers in the first one who don't have combat training, who don't right. have combat equipment, who have That's to right. jury-rig everything. Yeah. And even then, they don't even kill the thing, they just launch it into space. Right. Which, because of it still moving and screaming, I assume those things can survive in space. Hmm. You know. Well, that to me, I need to take a minute to say uh, that that was the other really big revelation of Alien. Uh, it wasn't just a tonal change in storytelling from previous sci-fi, but that thesis is really important. It is, we go out into space as humans... Space is a really bad environment for us. No, we are not designed for we space. We are not designed for space. And in previous science fiction, even the, the goofy stuff from the 50s, like the blob, you know, where clearly alien species are threatening to us, but, you know, it was never really stark, right? When you watch Star Trek, the original series, and he has to fight the Gorn, you know, okay, so it's like a dinosaur guy. Yeah. You know, it's not really that dangerous. But the xenomorph in Alien is built for space. Yes. And we are not. It so is. we are on the defensive. We're the weak one. And for our culture, especially American culture, not just like the way humans think of themselves, but we think of ourselves as top dog. So that was the innovation of Alien is, um, no, when we go into space, it's not going to be Star Trek Federation. We are the weaklings who are really in danger all the time. Yes, space is darkness, disease, and death. Like yeah. it, it is, the alien is the ultimate other, capital O. Yeah. It is totally outside of our experience. Uh, as Cain says in the first one, I'm sorry, not Cain, Ash says in the first one, I admire its purity. Yes. It is unclouded by conscience, remorse, or delusions of morality. Yep. And we're going to carry all that baggage into space, and space is not going to give two shit. <laughs> space doesn't care. Yeah. Um, so, but let's talk, let's talk about Alien 3. Let's, let's, let's go there, Father. Let's, yeah. Let's go to the prison planet of Fury 616. Yeah. God. Cool. So, a lot of movies uh, in this genre, you know, kind of the sci-fi action genre, what do they do? They make three. Right? Mm -hmm. there, there's a trio of movies. Nolan made three Batman movies. There were three Star Wars movies at a time. You know, it's, it's, very, it's a very natural arc. And so I loved what they did with the three alien movies. And the third one, I guess I can say what happens at the end. Spoiler yes, alert! Say, oh my god, dude. <laughs> yeah, 1991 movie. I thought it was fantastic that it ended with Ripley killing herself to try and end the threat because that made the whole three-movie arc Moby Dick. Yes. Woohoo! Well, it's a Moby Dick where Captain Nemo is not only actually the not hero. Not Captain Nemo. Oh. Captain Ahab. Hey, thanks. Gotcha. I always forget that Moby Dick's one of my favorite books and I can't remember the characters' names. That's cool. Um, the point is, I do like the way Alien 3 shakes out. I do like the second act immensely. I have a 
huge problems with the first first Why? act of that film. It is a real slap in the face to being invested in the characters of Newt and Hicks um, to write them off. Oh yeah. And like in such a cavalier manner, mm. it it it's really harsh. Um, maybe if it was just Hicks, I'd be okay. But the off-screen death of a child is a little much for me, mm. um, especially because you know. It's, Whereas I can't take the on-screen death. I I can't take either. I don't like either. I don't like this. Like it's it's. I don't know. Yeah, it, but you know the woman who played Newt. She was not really an actress. She's now like a fourth grade school teacher. I know. I know. It's just like <laughs> she's not Sigourney Weaver. You know, I just, I just, I wish that I felt like David Fincher had cared about aliens the same way I feel that James Cameron feels about Alien and Aliens. Hmm. James Cameron wants to put his stamp on it, but again, he's not going back and saying any of that was stupid. He's he doesn't retcon anything. Mm-hmm. In fact, he deals with the emotional fallout of that even more seriously. Um, I don't know. I, I do like the arc of Alien 3, and I do like the three-picture trilogy it creates. But I, you know, those first 30, 40 minutes are, are real tough for me because Sigourney has really come to a place of... I feel like it does her character a lot of harm, no matter how realistic it may be. It just hurts to see her have come so far at the end of Aliens and to have all of that progress taken away from her off screen. She has done so much to save this child. Yeah. And believe in Well, you. that's true. I mean, there's no doubt that the third movie makes her a tragic character. Oh, absolutely. I mean, she is now, uh, you know, I mean, she's Mary, mother of sin, like, like of, of the alien. You know, she, she is immaculate. Mm-hmm. But death follows with her. Yep. Um, and I do love that the conclusion of the film is her definitively, you know, it's not a mistake that she falls in a, in in the pose of Christ, you know, crucified. Correct, right. Um, I love that. I love that there is another bishop who isn't an android, but shows up at the very end who's like come on just give it to the company you know we'll we'll keep you safe and we'll surgically remove it and you know look don't i look just like your friend and then he gets hurt and he touches his head and he goes i'm human i'm human he didn't know right he doesn't even know who the original is and that's like 30 seconds of the movie it's not a major plot point i know it's not dwelt on it's like i know wayland yutani are a bunch of rat bastards (laughs) so that same idea you know, is the whole Blade Runner movie. Yeah. And for everyone to love Blade Runner for that, I actually conversely love Alien 3 for putting that in in a very organic way. Yeah. Right? It fits the storyline. It, it does enhance what we've seen in the first two movies. I think there's a lot in Alien 3. I know nobody watches it anymore. Nobody likes it because they want Ripley to be this superwoman. They want her to be Wonder She's Woman. She's very vulnerable in this film. She's very vulnerable, but it's it brings back the grit of the first movie. This is a really messy, confined space. <sighs> yeah. Okay? So to me, it was a really nice bookend. It doesn't make me love Aliens less. I understand what you're saying about the opening of it. It's true, there are some problems to that, but I think overall, it really does a nice job of bookending and tying off the story, which is why I never saw the fourth one. I'm so, like, really? You want to make her, what was it, a clone or something? Screw you! Yeah, so here's the thing. I have seen the entire Alien quadrilogy, as it was called. 
You fool! Yeah, so... Aliens 4 is a crime. <laughs> Doesn't that make Aliens 3 seem better? Oh, totally, totally. Uh, but, but Aliens 4 is... I mean, it's written by Joss Whedon. We've talked about that in the past. Um, it has, like, Ron Perlman. It has, like, ingredients of things that I should like. It has yeah. Joss Whedon. It has Ron Perlman. Yeah. It has... I, I, do, I, do, I do like the concept of cloning Ripley. But Why? I think... Because if Wayland yutani is so fixated on her and she's been at all the places where this xenomorph has cropped up, why wouldn't they try and make her fate intertwined with uh, the aliens? Why wouldn't they try and seek some sort of genetic DNA that must have rubbed off on her inside of her when she had the queen in her? You oh. Because okay. um, that's why they're cloning her is because they don't have a working queen. Okay. And so the last like DNA sample from her is like some cut she got on, on the Fury planet and it's got some of the alien DNA like mixed in there, but hmm. it's all messed up. Like, it's a threadbare premise. But I do like the only thing that I like in the movie. The only thing is Sigourney Weaver's acting because Sigourney hmm. Weaver does not play Ripley in this movie. Sigourney Weaver plays Ripley crossed with a xenomorph. Hmm. She has all the body language perfectly. You're she, saying I need to watch this? You need to watch her scenes. She huh. comes up to other characters and does the thing that the alien... You guys can't see it, but I did like a very small head tilt, which huh. is what the alien does whenever it's examining something. She will... Her body language is perfect. Huh. She cares so deeply about this character. And it has Winona Ryder. It does have Winona Ryder, um, who's experiencing this strange uh, career renaissance with Stranger Things, which, you know... Oh, yeah. Things I did not expect to see happen. Winona Ryder becoming a, a idol to millions on Tumblr. So there we go. And it has a xenomorph swimming. It has a xenomorph swimming. God, I hate this thing. Um, <laughs> it's just so dumb. It's just so dumb. The aliens, like, here's but the thing. But it wasn't dumber than Prometheus. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Here's the thing. Whenever people are like, aliens reduces the threat of the xenomorph, I just want to point to aliens for existence. And be like, no, 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 that makes them cartoonishly awful. This is what turns them into monsters made out of fudge. Like, it, it doesn't matter. Their deaths don't matter. The, the, the stuff that the aliens do that's supposed to be horrifying in other movies don't matter. They're treated more like Jurassic Park raptors than anything. And it oh. just pisses me the hell off. Like, at one point, like, the, 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 the crew that you're supposed to be following with Ripley emerges into, like what they think is supposed to be safety, and there's a bunch of alien eggs that are starting to open up at this place, and they're like, those things set a trap. We already know they're intelligent. We've proven this over three movies. This is supposed to be a big reveal? Like, they set a trap? Shut up. I'll slap you. Like, it's it's just... Does that movie come out after Jurassic Park? Oh, yeah, yeah. This is, Alien Resurrection is, like, 1996 or 7 or something? Yeah. Alien Resurrection is, is just a... a an insult to the franchise. Which and is why I didn't go anywhere near Yeah, 1997. Yeah. 1990 You think they would have learned better by now. <laughs> you think they would have known 10 years on from Aliens and they just can't get it right. Well, it's kind of funny how there's so much discussion in our culture right now in 2017 about trying to reboot things yeah. and, and how a lot of it is failing. You know, they're really struggling to figure out how to do a reboot. That's what Aliens 4 was. Yeah, they were trying. literally trying to reboot 
this thing after what I thought was a really tight, good, successful trilogy. Yep. And they failed. Yep. They failed miserably. But they tried again with Prometheus wow. in 2012, 2013? Something like that. Something Man, like I that. saw that sucker in the theater. You owe me my money. I saw, I'll top you, I'll do you one better. I saw it, IMAX, 3D, oh. New York City. I spent oh. $20 on a ticket. Gee whiz. And what I got in return was snakes and weird black goo monsters yeah. and the worst acting I have seen in a very long time. Uh, you know, I don't I... like Fassbender. No, I don't like Fassbender either. I'm not sure why he's such a big deal oh. these days. Um it does have, uh, you know, Furiosa in it. It does, and she... But you know what? I couldn't quite put my finger on what was wrong with her character or why it wasn't interesting until I saw Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, no. And then I'm like, oh, that's what I want to see her doing. All the time. Yeah. Every role. <laughs> you know, we talk about male actors who we love who basically play one character. Yeah. Arnold plays one character. Bruce Willis plays one character. Yeah. I think if we're going to be true feminists and egalitarian here, there's only really one role that I really want to see her play. And it's like that, the ass kicker. I want to see her be Furiosa forever. Yeah. That's why I'm looking forward to seeing Atomic Blonde. Because it's like, yeah, just shoot a bunch of dudes. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Um, there were a lot of pieces in Prometheus and then it just didn't, just didn't say very much. They're just... I try not to get hung up on, like, the logic or the science of these films because that way lies madness. <laughs> but there's some stuff here. Like, I got a pretty thick suspension of disbelief. Mm -hmm. Like, my suspension of disbelief is one of those suspension bridges you see over the, the place in the Amazon. It's, like, made out of bungee material. Like, and it goes for three miles. It goes for three miles. And no you one's can ever make got it. a problem. I, you can make no it. No problem. When the scientist takes his helmet off, after being on the planet for 15 minutes yeah. and not knowing any, like, you haven't done any scans, they don't know if there's any harmful bacteria in the air, yeah. it undercuts the theme and thesis that you were talking about, that space is dangerous for humans. Yeah, this I really... This is not a place that we're yeah. supposed to be. I hated that in that movie. These scientists are freaking idiots. <laughs> like, the guy who's supposed to be the animal expert of the group sees the weird, I'm just going to call it what it is, it's a weird penis snake... Yeah. That shows up on the Prometheus ship. He's like, oh, come here, little fella. Come yeah. here. I will strangle you, yeah. you idiot. Like, yeah. it's just yeah, so stupid. Dumb. I was talking about this with you last night as we were looking at the poster for uh, Alien Covenant. My favorite moment of Prometheus, which doesn't have an alien subtitle, which also is weird to me. Yep. Like, it's very clearly an alien film. Whatever. Um, Ridley Scott, the auteur. Um... My favorite moment is when everyone stops talking mm -hmm. and they play back the recording on the space jockey ship where all you see is these holograms of the space jockeys fleeing from something mm -hmm. and you don't see what. And they follow the recordings and they follow the recordings because they're going physically places throughout the ship and they just come across, the recording ends and... This mound of bodies is there, mm. and they all have their chests burst open, and it is such an incredibly horrific, unnerving image, yeah. and I love it. It's It defies... I mean, that's up there with the most potent imagery of the series. 
I feel like the first Alien movie, it's a horror movie more than a science fiction movie. It just happens to take place in space. Yeah. Uh, the third one is a pretty gritty movie. You could probably call that horror. But in Prometheus, he's clearly trying to make a science fiction movie. Yeah. Right? It completely flips the tone. Yeah. It's, it's just not... It doesn't... It doesn't work on, like, any level. And it doesn't work as, like, an alien prequel. It doesn't work as a standalone film. Like, my idea was always, like, my one big fix to that ending is I want Fassbender's head standing with Naomi Rapiace, or whatever it is, on the planet. And, you know, Idris Elba is trying to fly his ship to collide with the ship that's taking off. Mm -hmm. And he succeeds in the film. What I wanted was for him to miss. Like, the Prometheus ship flies off. And Idris Elba survives, and he's like, whoa, that sucks. They're headed for Earth. They're going to kill everything. So Naomi is like, hey, we can't outrun them to Earth, but you got the coordinates off their ship for where it came from, right? Like the home world of the aliens and the space jockeys. We can go there, and maybe we can convince them if we have enough time to not kill all the humans on Earth. Mm. So it sets you up for a sequel where they go to the home world of the aliens, which is what everyone's wanting to see, which is what Covenant supposedly is. And, but you're like, wait, isn't that other ship still headed for Earth? And what I would do is during the credits, not an after credit scene, but interspaced with the credits. Like, I want to see, boom, directed by Ridley Scott. And then you come over the shoulder and you see the space jockey, like, typing in coordinates. And then, boom, cinematography by whoever. And then you see maybe him, like, gripping his chest a little bit. And then it goes, boom, starring Naomi Rapis. And he just starts coughing blood. And, like, boom, the next credit. Until finally... The chest burster comes out of him, he crashes, and at the very end of this like weird interspaced scene, I want to see something on his nav computer, something or maybe just shown to the audience that just says LV426. I want to see his ship die and crash where we find it in Alien. Hmm, yeah. But we didn't get that. <laughs> Instead, we got, let's run in the direction of the thing that's rolling. Yeah. Because maybe we'll avoid it. I, freaking, <laughs> I hated Prometheus. I just... So that brings us to Covenant, which is now in theaters. I don't need to see that. I Do I have to see, see that? that? No, I'm not going to go see that. Which is weird because I feel like if that was the pitch he had made with Prometheus, like if I saw those trailers for Prometheus, I'd be on board. But the thing is, Ridley Scott's got no more goodwill left with me. I'd, I'd actually no rather trust. I'd rather see Alien Four than Alien Covenant. Yeah, like, and it's weird because it's playing all that imagery that I love, which is like all Paradise Lost stuff and and like yeah. really weird fall, like like man's fall, the Lucifer's fall, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And Canon you know, it might answer some big questions about the aliens, but kind of don't care anymore Ridley you kind of <laughs> effed it up do you know anybody in your generation who cares about this new alien movie maybe the Q I don't know huh. I haven't spoken with him about it but okay. I would need to consult with the Q but you're not hearing any buzz on social media oh, or no, anything we don't care you yeah. throw Danny McBride in there I mean it was a good attempt but you're not going to get my generation <laughs> that. well and you specifically as someone who loves this uh, storyline you know how this current movie axed another Alien movie that would have been much more like the one that you love, Aliens. So there's a little bit of foam forming at the edges of my mouth here. <laughs> so, for those of you who don't know, there's a uh, director of my generation from South Africa named Neil Blancamp. 
Uh, he directed District 9, he directed Chappie, he directed Elysium. These are films, uh, District 9 was pretty widely praised, Elysium got mixed reviews, Chappie was pretty panned, but he has a unique voice, I, he still has trust in the bank with me. He began posting images on Instagram, I want to say two years ago, mm. of concept art that he had made with other artists of what he was calling Aliens 3. Hmm. It was supposed to be a direct sequel to Alien. Ignoring the continuity Wait, the first of... one or the second one? So it would go Alien, <laughs> Aliens, his movie. Yeah. He was going to ignore 3, ignore 4, ignore Covenant, ignore... Uh, Covenant didn't exist at this point, but ignore Prometheus. Yeah, yeah. And tell a story that he thought should have been told after Aliens. Okay. Which is to be your movie. It's to be That's... my movie. Like, I'm looking at this concept art and borderline crying because it looks <laughs> like someone has taken the improvements that Halo made on the visual design of Aliens and brought them forward. I mean, they meet up with, at one point, there's Hicks and Ridley, I'm sorry, Ripley, uh, standing off with Colonial Marines from South Korea. Oh. South Korean Colonial Marines. So their armor's a little bit nicer, it's a little bit more high-tech. Hmm. But they're using the American-made guns because we make a lot of guns. Yeah, we do. You know, and like, I just loved everything I saw. And then they started asking Sigourney Weaver about like, has he talked with you about this? Does this exist? And she's like, oh no, Neil's a genius. I love the script that he's come up with. We got to do this. Wow. And they talked with the guy who played Hicks. They talked with um, Michael Bine. Yeah. And Michael Bine was like, dude, I'm down. I'm so ready. And they had a script and they had concept art. And then the freaking baby boomer Ridley comes back and he's like, I'd like to make another movie set in the Aliens universe, but this time it'll have Alien in front of the name, which last time, if you remember, wasn't present with Prometheus. Like, and so the studio, 20th Century Fox, just plots is at his feet and lets him do whatever and sucks all the resources away from that. And now he's giving interviews, Ridley Scott is, for the press tour for Covenant. And he's like... No, I don't believe that other alien movie will ever be made. I believe it's stalled in production. Don't you, don't you lie to me, Ridley. You didn't, st like, it's not stalled in production. You put your thumb down and pressed, you prick. Okay, so that's how important we think this is. I know it's confusing, but I think what's our bottom line here for the canon? I think you should watch the first three alien movies before this all gets completely messy. Yeah. Right? The, the, the gonna... three that were made after 1991, you know, it's it's kind of a mess. Oh, my God. I think the first three, though, you should watch as a unit. Yeah. So, my stance is Alien is in the canon. I've seen it uh, at starting at 1 a.m. in a theater in New York City. I've, <laughs> I've done that. I've been there. I've walked home on the subway. I'm sorry, walked home to the subway. Uh, in New York City at 3.30 in the morning thinking that a face hugger is going to pop out and cover me. So I love Alien. Watch that. Don't watch it before midnight. Um, I love Aliens to death. Watch it anytime. Watch it all the time. Put it on your iPod. Put it in your eyeballs. It doesn't matter. It works on any format. Game over, man! Game over! Um, and I would say watch Aliens 3, but I don't think it's in the canon. I don't think... <sighs> I don't think it's in the canon. I think if you stop at Aliens, you've got a perfectly good duology there. Um, there's a character arc. Things are perfectly fine. I mean, she defeats the ultimate mother of the aliens at the end yeah. of Aliens. I mean, right. it's, it's, it's a nice two-sided coin. Um, I like Alien 3. I've also seen the director's cut of Alien 3. Have you seen that? No. 
you might really like you know, I mean that that'll probably just give you more fodder because it's <laughs> it's real tight. It's real tight. Like it expands the runtime, but I feel it's a tighter film. Hmm. I feel like there's a lot they let some of those prisoner characters breathe a little bit. Good. Um, awesome. I got a good recommendation off this podcast. Yeah. So watch Aliens 4 if you want to have a drinking game. Actually, <laughs> what's, what's watch, the drinking game? No, no, no. Watch Aliens 4 for one scene. Just search in YouTube Sigourney Weaver Aliens Basketball. Are you kidding? No. Because she has alien DNA, she's really good at basketball. Oh my lord. And no, 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 no. no. Can we no, 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 no. I have to pitch you on this scene. Sigourney Weaver has described this scene as the third most important moment in her life behind the birth of her children and her marriage. Shut up. Because she sinks, sinks without looking a over-the-shoulder three-point shot. And wow. it's not a visual effect. She trained for months to do it. Are you kidding? It is the coolest freaking thing. <laughs> and I the had one no time idea. she nails the take because they did it for like days and of they couldn't they get did. it. And she's yeah. been training for months. And the one time she sinks it, Ron Perlman freaks the hell out. <laughs> and so it's such a quick cut that people think it's a special effect because as soon as it goes in the hoop, scene ends. But that's only because if you watch the uncut, it sinks and Ron Perlman goes, Oh my God! And Ron Perlman starts like flailing around on the ground screaming. He's like, that's the coolest thing! And, and of course, she didn't see it because it was over the shoulder. Yeah. She just heard it, so she runs back behind the ground the camera to look at the daily. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, ah! <laughs> you gotta watch that one scene. All Don't right. see Prometheus because you value your intelligence. And your Don't life. Don't see Covenant because we are on strike. We're on strike, absolutely. All right, thank you guys. This has been the Re-View Podcast. Podcast.